So today we will look at Exodus chapter 19. So please open your Bibles up there. Exodus chapter 19. And for those of you who listen via the internet, um, welcome and we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via mail at Abounding Love, P.O. Box 428, Higley, Arizona 85236. Uh, you can contact me via email at pastordave at aloveoutreach.com. And all of our teachings are available on SoundCloud at slash aloveoutreach and on iTunes as well. But uh, let's go ahead and jump on into verse 1 of Exodus chapter 19, where it says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. Now, just a quick bit of information for you here. We see here that the Israelites, the the Hebrews, have now made it to Sinai. They would now spend the next year there. But the next 57 chapters of the Bible will be spent covering what happened in the lives of the children at this place, at Mount Sinai. All the way up to the book of Numbers, chapter 10, it will be about what happens at Sinai here. So as we've gone through Genesis and, you know, and through uh, Exodus thus far, it's kind of seemed that time has flown from a reading standpoint, right? A lot of people have come and gone over hundreds of years, 68 chapters from the beginning of Genesis to where we are now in Exodus, and we've read about many different people and many different places. But in one year's period of biblical time, there will now be 57 chapters devoted to what's going to happen in that one year's period of time. So it must be pretty impactful. It must be pretty important stuff for this much biblical writing to be dedicated to it. Then verse 2 says, For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. So here they are now camped at the base of Mount Sinai in the Sinai wilderness. But I want you to look at something with me. I want to remind you of something here. I want you to mark this page somehow and just turn back. We're going to stay in the book of Exodus, but to chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Again, they've made it to Sinai, and they're camped at the base of the mountain, if you will. Um, Exodus chapter 3, and looking down at verse 12, where God is uh, speaking with Moses from the burning bush. And he says to Moses, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God. On this mountain. So here is Moses hearing from God through the burning bush on the mountain of God. Then back in chapter 19, where we are studying through today, we see the fulfillment of what God says to Moses here in chapter 3. So God has been faithful in the life of Moses to do just what he told him. He would do during that period of time. 
In chapter 3, Moses didn't feel adequate for the job, if you remember. And the truth of the matter is that he wasn't adequate for the job. But God was more than adequate to work through Moses to get the job done. And it's important that we understand that in our lives as we serve God. It's not about who we are or how adequate we are. It's about the God we serve and how adequate He is. Uh, It wasn't the skill and the strength of Moses that brought the people out of captivity and in Egypt, as we read about, right? It, It was the power and the might of God working through the life of Moses that accomplished this. But as we look back again, I just kind of wanted to remind you of that and show you of God's faithfulness, what he told Moses, and it has exactly happened now. So back in chapter 19, Moses had come full circle by the leading of God. Then verse 3 continues and says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. So there we see another name mentioned concerning this group of people. They are the Israelites, as we've seen, the Hebrews, the children of Israel. And here we see them also referred to as the house of Jacob. And this, of course, is because they have all descended from one man named Jacob, whom we have also studied about, of course, in times past, whose name was changed to Israel. But the Lord God wants Moses to tell them something. And we see what God wants Moses to say to them. Verse 4 says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my special treasure to me, a special treasure to me, above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So again, we know that God did indeed deliver the Hebrews out of their bondage in Egypt. Today, you and I know that through Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed unto God. We have been taken out of one place and put into another place. Picture an eagle picking something up with its talons and flying it over to another place and just setting it down. Just as by God through Moses, this group of people were redeemed out of their bondage. Today, there is one way and one way only for all the world to be redeemed, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the children of Israel, the house of Jacob, they had to follow Moses by faith, didn't they? they? They didn't like the life that they had as slaves in Egypt. And if you remember, they were crying out to God and God heard their prayers. And that's why he called on Moses to go and to deliver them. Right. But they were grumbling and complaining about it and they wanted out of it. So when this man Moses came along, they had to make a decision as to whether to follow him or not. They could have made their own choice to not buy into what Moses was telling them when it came to getting out of Egypt. They could have stayed right there where they were in their bondage. The choice was up to them. 
But Moses, being a type of Christ, was there to redeem them. And they had to make the choice to follow him and leave their old life of bondage behind. But it would be many, many years later until the real Christ, the one and only Christ, would come into the world as the Redeemer for the whole world, whether Jew or Gentile, right? And we today must make a choice to leave an old life behind and follow Him all the way to our promised land, just like Moses was leading the Israelites to their promised land. And all along the way to our promised land, there will be many ups and downs. We still go through a world where there's trials and tribulations, where evil still exists and where there is good as well, right? Just as we've seen, though, in the lives of the children of Israel thus far, they've gone through trials and they've had victories. But you see, the Lord God wants us to be His treasure, right? As we see back there in verse 5, he wants us to be his treasure as well. But there is a condition placed on being God's treasured people. In verse 5 there, they were told by the Lord God that they must obey his voice and keep his covenant. In other words, they were to hear and to do exactly what God would tell them to do as they were on their way to the promised land. Today, you and I have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God within us. We too can know how He wants us to live, the things that He wants us to do. It's all written for us in His Holy Word for us to learn and to grow thereby. And in order to be His treasured people, though, we must be an obedient people. You see, in verse 4 there, we see that God said He brought this people back to Himself. And this is what Jesus has done for those that are willing to leave an old life behind and come to Him. He brings us back into a relationship with Him as our Lord God. And all the earth is His, as it says at the end of verse 5 there. We must keep that in mind, that the earth is the Lord's and all the fullness thereof. Oftentimes, it's easy to go through this life as as if we're the captain of our own ship. We control our destiny. We make everything happen. And we just exclude God, who actually is the one that is creator of all and has a purpose and a plan and a will for our lives. So we either get with his program or we don't. And the choice is ours. You can't be in the world following in the ways of the world and then proclaim to be a child of God as well. Now in verse 6 there, we read where God says to them, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I want you to keep that in mind because I want to take and show you something now in the New Testament. So let's mark this page again and turn to the New Testament book of 1 Peter. You'll find it pretty much all the way toward the back of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2.
1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse 1, where it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. So pause briefly right there, because this is a partial picture of leaving an old life behind. You used to live in one way, right? But now if you've come to Christ, you've left a certain way of life behind and you're following him. And then verse two says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So do you have a desire for the word of God? If not, there's a command here from the Word of God telling you to develop that desire because that's the only way that you're really going to grow spiritually and you're really going to know God's will for your life. Read it for yourself. Gather with others to read it as we do here. However you do it, you must make sure that you do it. Again, I'm speaking to the person that has come to Christ and that's what Peter says here in verse 3. He says, if... Indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So if you have come to the Lord, right, then this is what you need to be doing. Leaving the old behind and desiring to grow through the word of God. Then verse 4 says, coming to him as as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, again, you leave the old behind. You desire the word of God that you may grow thereby. Then you offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, we're going to come back to 1 Peter. So mark this page again somehow. But let's look for a moment at Romans chapter 12. So it's back to the left, uh, still in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then Romans. Right? No, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, then Romans. (laughs) So it's before 1 Corinthians, after the book of Acts. Romans chapter 12. Again, in 1 Peter, we talked about offering up spiritual sacrifices. And then in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's what spiritual sacrifice looks like. You offer your body, in other words, your whole life up to God. And you don't conform to this world, but rather you be transformed. It should be really easy for the world around us to know that we are Christians because we don't look nothing like the rest of the world around us. There's something different about us. 
We behave in a, a different manner. We once were of the world, but we no longer are. We have been transformed, and our whole life is now a spiritual sacrifice. We live obediently unto the Lord. So jump back now to 1 Peter chapter 2, because I wanted to show you, talk about spiritual sacrifice there briefly. What it requires is your whole life, surrendering your whole life to God. That's what he wants us to do. Right? And picking it up in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, to, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word of God, to which they also were appointed. So there we see a contrast between the saved and the unsaved. The saved are obedient, and to them Jesus is precious. To the unsaved, he is a stumbling stone, and he's not precious. He's a chief cornerstone. It's like in the old days, they would build buildings on brick buildings. You'd see old banks and such, and there'd be a cornerstone where it'd have the name of the bank engraved on there or whatever, and everybody walked by would see it, and they would know, well, that's what this building is. It's the First Trust Bank of whatever or whatever. That's the chief cornerstone, and they stumble over Jesus, the people that are disobedient to him. Right? They walk through this life spiritually falling on their face because the word of God is for them just as it is for the saved, but the unsaved are disobedient to the word of God, so they're constantly stumbling through this life, constantly tripping up through this life because they want to do it their way. They want to be the captain of their own ship, but they're constantly going to stumble and trip. Right? But let's read on, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if you are in Jesus Christ today, then you are part of his people. You are a treasure to him. You are special to him. And you are to now live a life in which you proclaim the praise of him. You have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And back in Exodus chapter 19, we see a picture of this with the children of Israel. God offering them to be his treasured people if they will just be obedient to him. Let's go ahead and turn back there. Exodus chapter 19, and we'll pick it up in verse 7. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So all the people agreed with what Moses said had spoken, what the Lord had spoken through Moses here. They agreed that they would be obedient and live the life that the Lord wanted them to. 
Then verse 9, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. So do you see the pattern here? God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the people. That's the way it was back then. But also here in verse 9, God is letting Moses know that the people will also hear some sort of sound coming out of the thick cloud that's over Mount Sinai whenever God speaks with Moses. This way the people will have confidence in Moses to know for sure that God is speaking with him. Now you don't see a thick cloud over my head right now as I speak to you, right? That's because God doesn't speak to me on your behalf. Okay. In these last days, God has spoken to us all through Jesus Christ. So there is no man on this earth that will hear from God for your sake. So I don't claim to be that kind of person. Don't buy into that kind of thing because you will have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and hear from Him directly. He's placed people within the body of Christ that teach that pastor and such, but they're not Lord over you. They're not the ones you are to follow. You are to yourself have a relationship with God and follow Him directly. There is no Moses over any people today. God doesn't work like that in these last days. Verse 10 continues and says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So here we see God instructing them in a purification process. Their outward appearance was important in that day in order to come before God. God had a plan in establishing this with them. Ultimately, it was going to be to get them to the point where they see they couldn't do it outwardly. They couldn't make themselves clean outwardly. So they needed a sacrifice, which was going to be eventually Jesus Christ, the final sacrifice. But for now, he's establishing, as we're reading here, he's establishing this purification with them. But Jesus came and uh, put the importance upon the inward man, who we are inwardly, not upon our outward man. Jesus came, I mean, excuse me, today, however, many religious people still make coming to the Lord God all about the outward man. They try to keep up appearances on the outside, but have never been made inwardly clean through repentance and through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember, all that we are seeing here is, again, it's, this is a, the establishing of the, Old Test, of the Old Covenant. Okay, We must keep that in mind as we're reading that. Today, we're not under the Old Covenant. Today, we're under the New Covenant. That's why there's a New Testament right? in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we're under. But we are seeing here, in these Old Testament books, though, we're seeing a shadow, a picture, if you will, of what was to come. And all of this is written down so that we can learn from it and that we can apply it to our lives and how we are to live in Christ today. Verse 12 continues, and God says to Moses, you 
shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast. He shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So the boundaries were set. These people couldn't get close to God. Only Moses could. The person that dared to come near the mountain to touch it would be so unclean, they couldn't be touched by another person. They simply had to be stoned to death or or killed by an arrow. Unless you were Moses or Aaron, there was no getting close to God in this day. You would die trying. So Moses, verse 14 says, So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. So not even any marital relations were to be going on during this time. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. So this is quite a scene here. And these people were scared to death at what's taken place here. They're trembling. And verse 17 says, And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of of the mountain. But let me show you something else here this morning, right? We're going to mark this page again and turn back to the New Testament, the New Testament book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Here in Hebrews chapter 12, it it speaks of what you and I have come to today. Remember, I'm show we're talking about what happened in that day. But but it's not like that for us today. Hebrews chapter 12 will talk about what we have come to today, right? What everyone else can come to, for that matter. It's no longer the way it was under the old covenant for you and me, okay? So in Hebrews chapter 12, and if you look down at verse 18, Hebrews 12, 18, it says, For you have not come to the mountain, that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure what was commanded and if so much as a beast touches the mountain it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they, now again, this is speaking of those we are reading about in Exodus, right? For if they 
did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken, may remain. Now pause right there for a moment. Coupled together with what we are reading back in Exodus, these verses are pretty self-explanatory. But what we are seeing in verses 26 and 27 here is the fact that someday everything, as we now know it, will pass away. Back in the day of the children of Israel, God spoke and the earth quaked, but someday the heaven and the earth will all melt with a fervent heat, and only what God has for us will remain. The new Jerusalem, heaven, our promised land, right? So what's being taught to us here in Hebrews is that we need to be an obedient people to our Lord God today. We can't ignore what he has spoken in these last days through Jesus Christ. And verse 28 tells us, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So nothing changes about the fact of who God is. Our God is a consuming fire. He's almighty, all-powerful, right? But we must still serve him today with reverence and godly fear. How do we get there? We get there through faith in Jesus Christ. How do we get to God? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said, okay? But we must serve him with reverence, godly fear. And we can draw near to God today boldly because of his grace poured out on us through Jesus Christ. Today, whomsoever will can call on the name of the Lord, but we must be willing to leave an old life behind, to leave the bondage of the old life behind, the life of sin, the life of worldliness. And we must present our bodies, as we saw in Romans chapter 12, as living sacrifices because Jesus is the final answer the only way to eternal life. Our promised land is the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, where there, like we read here, is an innumerable company of angels. So it's something to take serious the way you serve God today. Let's turn back again. We'll wrap it up in Exodus chapter 19. Verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai 
on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So you can kind of picture the scene here. Moses up a little ways on the mountain, the people down below. The trumpet is getting louder and louder. The people are trembling and barely able to bear it because of the sound of this trumpet. But all the while, God is speaking to Moses, and Moses is hearing the voice of God. And then he calls Moses to come all the way up to the top. And then verse 21 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away! Get down and then come up, and you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he breaks out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. So again, this is just an amazingly powerful thing taking place here. The Lord wants Moses to go down and to be sure no one comes near the mountain. The power of God is too overwhelming for them to be too close. It's the same thing today. No one can approach God today. God is too awesome, too powerful, too mighty for us to approach Him. So He approached us. He came near to us in Jesus Christ, right? And we come to God now through faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. And the power of God can be close. As a matter of fact, the power of God can be within us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So then, if this is the case for you and me, how then should we be living? Well, we know the answer to that, don't we, right? We should be living a life of holy reverence, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord, understanding that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to Him, and we should be offering up praise to the Lord. Right? If you have come to Christ, then you have become part of the family of God, His own special people, His treasure. Right? Do you know that even after this mighty occurrence that we're seeing taking place here in Exodus chapter 19. This was a a, a powerful thing that took place in the presence of God. But in about 40 days from now, this people that we're reading about, this people that are trembling and seeing all of this taking place, in about 40 days from now, they'll be worshiping a golden calf and participating in sexual immorality, bowing down to a golden calf even after seeing all of this, and living as if they have never known the presence of God in their lives. So what about you? What about me? Do you know the presence of the living God within you, Jesus Christ? And if so, if we know this, then are we living like it? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, again, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts deep within us, Lord. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts, Lord. It, It opens our eyes to the truth. God, I pray that we will respond as obedient people to your word. 
and that we would desire the milk of your word, that we may grow thereby, that we would desire to be obedient people, reverent people, people that offer up praise unto you, people who sacrifice our whole lives to serve you, to to seek first the kingdom of God, to make that our priority. Lord, we have daily jobs. We have things we do in this life every day. It's not as if we need to go live in a cave and never come out, Lord, and just worship you. That's not what you expect, Lord. We see in your word that you desire for us to work and to live and to, to move amongst society, but you desire for us to be a light, to be separate, to come out and to be separate, to be a different people to be a people that serves you with our whole heart, that loves you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord. God, you have given us your word. You have given us your spirit who indwells us. And Lord, the choice is ours today. We can choose this day whom we will serve. And we could say, as Joshua did for me, and as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We can make that decision. I pray, Lord, that your will would be done in the coming week. We thank you again for this time together in your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen.